Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, September 7, 2022, and today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Only, working from my home in Montana. Taylor Schwink is working from the Schwink Studios in the foothills of Connecticut. And Sarah Abbott is back from the Sarah Abbott Studios in Bristol. ESPN has built her an entire building, which is appropriate because Sarah... You're the one person who can give us insight into what happened with Harry Styles. I'm going to be asking you for that later. Sounds good. I'm ready. I've done my research. I'm prepped. Yeah. Well, I think Tim Kirchin yesterday, you know, really needed your help. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. In terms of uh, understanding exactly what happened. All right. Guess what? We have an incredible division race taking shape between the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. The Mets went into Tuesday's game with a one-game lead in the National League East. And in theory, they have an advantage in strength of schedule against teams like the Pirates. But yesterday, the Pirates jumped all over the Mets. One ball, two strike pitch. High fly ball to right. Over toward the foul pole. Is it fair or foul? Hits the foul pole for a home run. Rodolfo Castro, a high towering drive. Clears the deck with a foul pole cannonball. His sixth, and it's three to nothing, Pirates. That from Sports Radio 93.7, the fan. And later, O'Neill Cruz applied a coup de gras, which was unlike any that I've seen. And uh, Taylor, I'm going to want to talk to you about this home run after we hear the sound. 3 2 pitch. High drive to right field. Watch this cruise missile out of here. Oh, headed toward the river. Line drive, O'Neill Cruz. Headed toward the Allegheny. That's number 13. 8 2 Pirates. Yeah. Taylor, how about that home run? It was appropriately described as a line drive that went over the right field stands and landed in the Allegheny River. I. I Normally, when you hit a ball in a river, whether it's in Cincinnati or you hit the ball in the water in San Francisco or you hit the ball in water in Pittsburgh, it's a towering shot. It's a, it's a right. high parabola. That thing was crazy. A cruise missile. And did you see what he said afterward when someone asked no. him about it? He said, it's about time, <laughs> which I just absolutely <laughs> love. He's a beast. I uh, love watching him. Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about him going forward. I, you know, and you wonder if the Pirates at some point are going to be throwing a blank check at him, try to keep him around in Pittsburgh. So the Pirates beat the Mets, and Buck Showalter was asked about the Mets' recent offensive struggles. Buck, this team has been so consistent offensively for much of the year. What have you seen in these last 13 games that's been different? It's just been, you know, superior. You know, it's, it catches your attention because they've been so good for so long, over, you know, 100 and some odd games. And so, uh, you know, you always tip your hat to the opposition. But, uh, you know, our guys are frustrated right now because they know they're capable of better. After the Mets lost, their lead in the National League East cut to a half game. The Braves played a West Coast game against the Oakland Athletics. And they took a big lead early. Pitch on the way to the plate. Swung on a high, deep drive. Straight away center field. Back there to the wall. That is gone. Matt Olson comes back to Oakland and sends a bomb over the center field wall to make it 6-1 Atlanta. That from 680, the fan. Uh, the athletics would come back in a, in a game that was a seesaw the whole way. Marcel Azuna, though, 
added to the Braves lead in the top of the fifth. Stretching the pitch, swung on, ripped to the left field, might get down, it will, base hit. One run is in, Harris being waved home, here comes the throw, it's cut off, two-run single for Marcel, who suddenly has gotten hot. Big two-out, two-run single for Ozuna, 9-5 to five Atlanta. That was Joe Simpson, 680, the fan. Yeah, the Braves wind up winning that game 10-9, to nine, so the two teams are now all tied up. And this will be, down the stretch, a great test of strength of schedule because one of these teams has an acute advantage on paper. We'll see if that actually holds up. Dave Schoenfield will tell us whether or not he actually believes in that. Meanwhile, the Phillies continue to solidify their playoff standing. This is what happened at the bottom of the ninth inning yesterday. The kick, here's the pitch. Swung on, line to right. That'll be a base hit. Harper coming into third base. He's rounding. Garcia with a throw from right, and it is not in time. Game over. Harper slides safely on the signal by Segura, and the Phillies win it. Another walk-off against the Fish. 3-2 the final. Scott Fransky, Sports Radio 94 WIP. So it looks like the loser of the Mets-Braves race will have to host the Phillies or the Padres in the first round. The other team, of course, will get a first-round bye. Speaking of the Padres, suspended Padres star Fernando Tatis Jr. had surgery Tuesday to repair the torn labrum in his left shoulder, that according to the team. The Yankees announced that first baseman Anthony Rizzo is headed to the injured list. He's been dealing with some back issues. He's had some headaches, perhaps related to the medication The Yankees, by the way, were rained out on Tuesday. They will play a doubleheader today. The Guardians are trying to hang on to first place in the American League Central. And on Tuesday, they got help from Jose Ramirez. And a base hit in the left field will give him the lead. Hedges scores. Miles Straw, he's coming around as well. And he will score. It is 2-0 Cleveland on a two-out, two-run single by Jose Ramirez. And the Guardians win 4-1. to one. The Orioles and the Blue Jays. The Orioles trying to bounce back from that Toronto sweep in Monday's doubleheader. Gunnar Henderson pitched in. Henderson drills one in the right field. That is down for a base hit. Mountcastle is waved home and Arias goes first to third. RBI single for Gunnar Henderson. It is a five-run third inning explosion. And Baltimore wins 9-6. to six. We got word yesterday that more than 50% of the minor league players have voted to support unionizing, paving the way for the players to organize and join the Major League Baseball Player Association. Dodgers, Giants yesterday. Guess who got a big hit for the Dodgers? Joey Gallo. One to Gallo is hammered. Right center field. Joey Gallo with that home run, that call from Joe Davis and the Dodgers television network. L.A. wins 6-3. to three. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, a couple things. We are on the eve of the NFL season. Uh, if you've got some fantasy drafts, you should check out Fantasy Focus Football right away, five days a week, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And big announcement, the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny is now going from one day a week to two days a week during the season. Now on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, Mina Kimes is going to be reacting to the biggest games from the weekend every Tuesday. And then on Thursday, she's going to be looking ahead with Dominique, Fo- Dominique Foxworth, who also has his own podcast, The Dominique Foxworth show. You should check both of those out wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. David Schoenfield, who covers baseball for ESPN. Dave, how you doing this week? I'm good. I'm getting a lot of texts these days from my Mariners fans out in Seattle. They're very hyped up. And uh, I've been watching the Mets lately, Buster. What's going on there, huh? Yeah, it's not good. And in fact, just before we got started, breaking news. The Mets beat reporters, uh, I'm sure, uh, getting the information from the Mets PR staff that Max Scherzer is going to the injured list. He, of course, spent seven weeks in the IL earlier this year because of an abdominal issue. He had to come out of his last start after only 67 pitches uh, because he had fatigue in the same area. Data. Look, I, I think this is absolutely devastating for a team that woke up today tied for first place yep. in the National League East because even if you put them on the injured list and give them some time to be uh, a little bit more healthy the next time he returns the mound, the bottom line is he's not going to be right the rest of the year. What's your take? Yeah, no, I mean, huge, huge concern, obviously. and We don't know the extent uh, of – the injury and how long he's going to be out, but there's not much time left in the season. So not a lot of time to bounce back. If he does return for the playoffs, um, just a terrible few days, you know, those back-to-back losses to the nationals over the weekend, seven to one in both games, the pirates hammer him last night. And of course the Braves once down 10 and a half games have tied them. Um, 
I mean, you got to pick the Braves at this point to win that division. I've been sticking with the Mets all along until these last four days, and I got to go with the Braves now. Yeah, I just want to pause the Mets uh, Braves conversation to ask you about O'Neill O'Neill Cruz's home run last night <laughs> in the Allegheny. Have you ever seen a home run like that? Because I, when I watched it live, I was like, "What? Are you kidding me?" It was a you know, it felt like about a four hundred thirty foot line drive. Yeah, although we got to admit, Buster, it wasn't even the longest home run of the night last night. Maybe uh, I'm sure you mentioned Christian Yelich's 499-foot home run in the highlights. But, yeah, O'Neal Cruz, we, look, we know he's got a lot of improvement in his game to work on. But if it comes together, this kid is going to be unbelievable because his raw tools, the power of the arm, we've seen all the highlights throughout the year. Man, I hope he just learns to play the game. Um, improve the strike zone, all those little things that'll help him become a star because he's got yeah. the, the ability. The phrase used in the home run call was cruise missile, and that's exactly right. I mean, that that's the the perfect description for that. All right, back to Mets and Braves. Uh, look, I you know this is going to be a test of the uh, the metric strength of schedule. I think going yep. down the stretch because on paper. The Mets have a distinct advantage. The Braves yeah. face 13 teams going forward with records over 500 or 500 or better. Uh, and the Mets face six teams with records of 500 or better. But you noted you know, the fact that the Mets in recent days, they've lost the Nationals. They've lost to the Pirates. So, you know, folks in baseball, I think, don't look at strength of schedule as, say, when we look at the NFL or when we look at the NBA because on a given day in baseball, you just never know. What Do you believe in the strength of schedule metric? Yeah, so I do. I look at it a lot. I probably obsess over it a little more than I should. It is important, though. I know all the guys that crunch the numbers and put that into the computers say it's not as important as we think it is. As you said, Buster, it's not easy even to go in and sweep a bad team all the time, series after series. But – it's a factor that is a slight, you know, advantage for the Mets, you know, these last few weeks, but it's not a tell all. It doesn't mean the Mets are going to win the division, but it's just another factor to look at. Yeah. And I talked on the podcast yesterday about, you know, when the history of this division race is written and the Braves actually do wind up winning the division, I hope no one writes that the the Mets blew it the yeah. way we would write if the Yankees blew it. Uh, because that's not at all accurate. This is a case of the of the Braves playing out of their minds. You know, I, I recently and I related this uh, story. I think last week or yesterday about going being in the Braves clubhouse for Sunday night baseball, walking up to one member of the organization saying, "Look, I, I think on paper you guys are a better team than you were when you won the World Series last year." And without pause, he goes, "I completely agree with you," because that this team is phenomenal right now and really has been since June 1st, and really has been since promoting Michael Harris II uh, to play center field and putting Spencer Strider in the rotation. Yeah, I was just going to bring those two guys up. That's exactly when that turnaround began. You know, Michael Harris called up May 28th. Um, Yeah, Braves only won 88 games last year. They got hot, obviously, in October with uh, all those outfielders, a bullpen that hadn't really been that great during the regular season, was lights out in the playoffs. This team much deeper. This lineup now with, with Harris hitting at, at the bottom, Von Grissom still hitting. You know, what are they going to do when Ozzy Albies comes back? But it's deep. There's not a soft spot in that lineup. 
much more power one through nine than the Mets have. And that's looks like to me the difference maker right now. Yeah. Vaughn Grissom, uh, his presence actually give the, the Braves some great options as Ozzie comes back because, you know, Ozzie coming back from a broken foot, you know, they're confident yep. that he potentially could be an option. But you know what? It's going to be a great competition from the Braves' perspective. And that's what I got back uh, yep. from Brian Sitker last week when we met with him before that Sunday night game. You know, in their outfield mix, they're going to play the hottest guys. Yep. When it comes to second base, they're going to play the guy who looks better. When it comes to their rotation down the stretch, you know, Jake Odorizzi, Mike Soroka, you know what? We'll just we'll just play the guy who's better right now. That is a great situation to be in as opposed to these teams who seem to be just dying for that one guy to return from the injured list. Yeah, it'll be really interesting how they use Grissom. He was a minor league shortstop. He's been playing second base. I don't think he played any outfield in the minors, so I don't know if they'll give him some time out in left field. Maybe he DHs a little bit. Um, but, look, having flexibility is always a good thing. And right now, the Braves just look a little deeper than the Mets. The Mets, look, Edwin Diaz, lockdown closer. We know that. Adam Ottavino has been pretty solid. But that rest of that bullpen, I don't have a lot of faith in that. That's always been my biggest concern about the Mets is the depth in their bullpen. I'm surprised they didn't do more at the trade deadline other than add Michael Givens, who's really struggled since coming over. Um, and now you're not going to get Max Scherzer innings. Taiwan Walker struggled again last night, so the rotation isn't going super deep in the game. So that bullpen for the Mets really stressed out right now. Yeah, this uh, this <laughs> this race between the two teams will be a battle between those the, an intangible and a tangible metric. The tangible metric being strength of schedule. The intangible being being momentum. Yes. <laughs> Right. The question of whether or not the momentum is a real thing in baseball. Uh, while we're talking so much about the Braves and Mets, we're not talking about the Phillies who've been playing well for a long time. Yeah, look, you know, Bryce Harper has been back over a week now. Um, I've always said this about the Phillies and I know Zach Wheeler, we, we got to get him completely healthy. But if they make the playoffs with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, that's a pretty good one-two punch, you know, to roll into October with, you know, reminds me a little bit of how Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer carried the Nationals back in 2019. Nola and Wheeler have that potential. The defense for the Phillies, much improved, Buster, with Bryson yep. Stott at shortstop. They got rid of Didi Gregorius, got rid of Odebel Herrera in center field. Um, you know, look, your corner outfielders with Schwarber and Castellanos, not exactly gold glovers, but overall it's the best Phillies to look have looked on defense in years. And I know that's not saying much, but I think that's been a key on why they played better the last three months. All right. I've held you off long enough. You haven't gotten a chance to talk about the, about the Mariners, uh, <laughs> who, and I, I haven't talked to you since they signed Julio Rodriguez. There must be enormous optimism among your friends or Mariners fans right now. Yeah. I, I, before we got on here, I was saying I'm getting a lot of text from my Mariner friends back in Seattle. Obviously, it's a, you know, you had Ichiro and Felix Hernandez, you know, that were the faces of the franchise for so long, but it was surrounded by losses after years and years of misery. But now you have a new face of the franchise, and he's going to be here for hopefully his entire career. 
and now you're winning. Buster, I don't know how they keep doing this. They don't score runs, but they don't give up any. They had the that road trip to Cleveland and Detroit. They went 6-0. and uh, Here's what the best way to sum up Seattle. The last game in Cleveland, rain delay. So George Kirby had to come out after three innings. It went extra innings. They used nine relievers. All nine guys pitched out of the bullpen. But they're all good. They have nine good relief pitchers. So Scott Service, he just basically pitches three or four one day, the other three or four the next day, keeps alternating them, and that bullpen really shuts down. The rotation has been really good. Robbie Ray, after kind of scuffling a little bit the first few months, has been a red-hot Logan Gilbert. Didn't have his A stuff last night, but, uh, you know, kept the White Sox off the board, pitched good enough to get the win and give up no runs. They look pretty good right now. Yeah, and I tell you what, if they wound up uh, being essentially the, you know, the number one wild card seed, they have a chance to do that and to host a first-round series. I think that'll be a great atmosphere. I mean, we saw, uh, you know, back in the 90s, what the kingdom would be for the Mariners, a real home field advantage. I think because it's been so long since they've been in the playoffs, that would be the case for the 2022 Mariners. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many Mariner fans know that you got to get that, you know, top wild card to get a home playoff game. So uh, yeah, Seattle, no doubt is going to press very hard for, for that top seed so they can get a home game and get the home series. Although Buster, if you look at the way the AL playoffs might unfold, the advantage might be to get the third wild card where you play right. the AL Central winner, and then you would line up against the Yankees where if you're the fourth you know, seed, you play the number five team, but then you have to play the Astros. So you want that home series, but I think being the number six team in the AL actually is an, is an advantage. All right, you and Jeff Passan today uh, generate an article that's on ESPN.com about players who graduated into stardom in 2022. An example of that, Dylan Cease of the <laughs> Chicago White Sox. Who, who is your uh, the guy that you like to talk about when you talk about players graduating into stardom in 22? Well, my guy, really, it's the guy we were just talking about a little bit, Michael Harris, who, look, Julio Rodriguez has, you know, deservedly been getting all the attention but look at the numbers. Michael Harris, higher OPS. Uh, Harris's defensive metrics, just as good as Julio. Harris, I think he's, what, 16 out of 17 stealing bases. And remember, Michael Harris, like Julio, 21 years old. Um, his plate discipline could needs a little improvement. Rodriguez, more raw power. But Michael Harris, um, this kid is going to be special. So I'm going to really enjoy watching these two young rookies battled out for best center fielder in baseball over over the next decade. Now, you know that uh, you remember that Michael Harris, when he was coming out of high school, the question was whether or not he was going to be a pitcher or whether or not he was going to be a hitter. And I had yep. a conversation recently with Dana Brown, uh, the Brave scouting director, who wound up uh, focusing on, on Harris as a third-round pick. And, and I asked him, you know, so what was a, a turning point in the, when you guys were looking at him? And he said that when they asked Michael Harris to come to work out at Truist Park, he was hitting ball after ball after ball into the stands in right field. And that, of course, made an impression because they could see the raw strength for a high school kid. But then when they asked him about, do you want to be a pitcher? 
You want to be a position player. He was unequivocal, Dave. Like yeah. a lot of teams looked at him as being a pitcher, but he was like, no, I'm an everyday player. I want to be a hitter. And so when they drafted him, there wasn't any question about what they were going to do with him in spite of that incredible arm. Yeah, it's hard to imagine, you know, with his speed and the hit tool that, I mean, he must have had some kind of arm for those teams that were, you know, viewing him as a pitcher. But, you know, he's a, a you know, grade eight athlete with, with the speed and the power and the arm. Um, and look, the Braves, they give them so much credit because what was Spencer Strider, a fourth round pick out of Clemson? You know, their scouts and their player development system is just top notch. And that's why they have this unbelievable homegrown base of talent. But, you know, Julio's going to be there a long time. The Braves have five or six guys going to be there a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You got Harris in the third round. You got the next year in the COVID year, the five round draft. Yep. You got Spencer Strider in round four. You got Elder in round five. When I talked to Dana, he mentioned that their internal discussion was whether or not they would take Strider or Elder in round four, and they went back and forth, and then Elder was still available in round five, and then you get Vaughn Grisham in round 11. So pretty good work by them. Uh, Before you go, I want to ask you about the news we got yesterday that more than 50% of the minor league players who cast votes, they want to unionize. Uh, Look, I I think we all would agree that the conditions for minor league players – need to be dramatically improved. They have been improved somewhat in the last couple of years as attention was drawn to this in in the aftermath of of Uh, COVID-19. What I'm concerned about big picture is that Major League Baseball's response to this is, okay, well, because you've unionized, we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, increase salaries for players, but we're also going to cut jobs dramatically and the reason why I kind of winced when I saw this, uh, see this developing now is that uh, I know folks with, who work within teams are saying, boy, you know, in the end, what's going to happen as a result of this collateral damage, and this is on Major League Baseball, if in fact this happens, is that you're going to have drafts with fewer rounds, you're going to have fewer minor league teams, and they're going to be major league players, Dave, that we never see because they didn't get, weren't given the opportunity. No, that was my first thought. You know, we've already seen, you know, the recent cuts in the number of, of minor league franchises and, uh, you know, baseball got a lot of criticism for that. I understood that move because there were a lot of players in the minor leagues that just weren't ever going to make the major leagues. They're filling out rosters. They weren't prospects. You know, that's not, as much of the issue now with only, you know, four full season teams, but yeah, that was my first thought. Will they cut back even more? But absolutely in that process, you're going to lose those guys that were originally considered fringe prospects, but sometimes they develop and, and reach the majors or how much of the player development won't be done at the class a level, but at, you know, spring training complexes. Cause as you know, a lot of this, the feeling in the baseball circles is we can train these guys how to hit and how to pitch without actually playing games, you know, and I don't like that because you need minor league baseball, you know, in these small towns that develops interest in the game. So you're right. There's a lot to unfold on what happens here. Yeah. And a lot to come and, and, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it as the news develops. All right, Dave, thanks for doing this. All right, Buster. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. 
Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America, all around the world, or you can go to his website, toddradom.com. Todd, how are you this week? Buster, it's September when when champions are formed. So I am doing great. And, and yeah. what about you? Yeah, and you being a Red Sox fan, as championships are born, they signed, they spent money. Kike Hernandez, a one-year $10 million deal. You must have been excited about that. I've been so excited about this, Buster. Uh, what, Xander Bogarts who? What? Devers what? <laughs> who? Yeah, Xander Bogarts rolls toward a batting title. My theory, I want to get it on the record here with you. I, If I'm sitting here today, I think Xander Bogarts is going to wind up with the Dodgers next year and effectively become the guy who steps into Justin Turner's role as Justin, you know, as his career evolves toward the end. I think Xander Bogarts is a perfect fit with the Dodgers. What do you think? Mookie Betts, too? Is that what we're talking about? How about that? Mookie and Xander on the same team? Think Red Sox fans like yourself might lose their mind? Yeah, and again, two homegrown guys. Xander Bogart's coming up as a 21-year-old and uh, being a a big part of a great October back in 2013. Leadership in 2018. You know, just, you know, Buster, it's, it's... we want to know what the plan is. And again, not to bellyache four World Series titles in this century. And there are a lot of fans who, uh, you know, would, would say that these are first world problems. But we talk about it all the time. The expectations in Boston are tremendous. The costs there are tremendous for the fans. So show us what the plan is. I don't see what the plan is. No. And I've heard that over and over and over. In fact, I heard it from a, a, a longstanding agent yesterday. Like they, they seem like they don't know whether they're coming or they're going in terms of what the design of the team is. All right. Before we get to this week's Phantom franchise, we've been talking about the Mets. We've been talking about the Braves and trying to assess the National League East race going forward. So my question to you, the curveball that I warned you about ahead of time, uh, do you believe in strength of schedule? Because on paper, it would seem like the Mets have a big advantage over the Braves in that regard. I do believe in strength of schedule, but there's a randomness that we can attach to the fact that, you know, only we've got a couple of weeks to go and anything can happen. And you and I are old enough to remember the 78 Red Sox Yankees pennant race, one for the ages. 
And there were some curveballs within within what happened then. You know, the the uh, Cleveland Indians, which were not a great team at the time, come in and they put a hurting on the Yankees, who were surging, and all of a sudden the Red Sox scrape by. They win a couple of games and things even out. So I think there is a uh, there there is a little bit of chance left to this. But uh, you know, Mets fans throwing the panic flag in New York. What do you what do you think, Buster? Yeah, I don't think Mets fans are going to be really excited about strength of schedule, given that in recent days it's been the Nationals and the Pirates. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and again, for, for, and you and I both know uh, the Mets fans. We talked about my great admiration for them because they're so devoted to their team. Uh, their their default position is is panic. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. Yankee fans are also feeling that as well. But the word panic, I think, is applicable here. Well, the DNA is very, very strong in both cases, and I grew up around here. And uh, as I always say, Met's gonna Met, Met fans gonna Met fans. You know, they they think the worst, hope for the best. But uh, we we saw what happened in two thousand six. I mean, you know, it's happened before. But listen, this is as a neutral observer, great Mets team. Yeah, the Braves are World Series champions, but I think it's gonna be fun the next couple of weeks. But then again, I'm looking at it from this Switzerland like perspective. Right, exactly. Well, I said yesterday in the podcast, you know, the Mets since June 1st have played on a 100-win pace. Like, they haven't blown it. The Braves just happen to be playing now on, like, a 117-win pace, and that's why it, uh, what makes this race so fun down the stretch. And the fact that they play each other in the last week is going to be a lot of fun. I think that's our last Sunday night broadcast, uh, if, I, if I've heard correctly. All right, fan of franchise for this week. So, Buster, the Tampa Bay Rays plan to play part of their schedule in Montreal was shot down a little while ago, but it wasn't the first time that a team wanted to split their home between two cities. In 1971, the Cleveland Indians were hurting, plagued by low attendance and losing money. At the same time, New Orleans was constructing a state-of-the-art domed stadium, which would become the Superdome, and they were looking to fill dates there once it was open. In August 1971, the Cleveland Plain Dealer published a report stating that the Indians had entered into a deal to play 30 games a season in New Orleans. The agreement was to run for 20 years, starting in 1974, with 15 home games in New Orleans in April and May, and the rest spread out later in the baseball calendar. The Indians were to have opened the season in Cleveland and would have played all weekend dates there as well. Indians owner Vernon Stauffer said, quote, I think this is a great idea for Cleveland. It will be the coming thing in baseball. 50 home games is enough. It's cold as heck in Cleveland in April and May with the wind blowing off Lake Erie. American League team owners who would have had to approve the move met and expressed skepticism. Oakland owner Charlie Finley led the way, noting the fact that this deal would have resulted in the Indians controlling two cities, including New Orleans, which he may well have coveted for his own franchise. Other owners wondered why New Orleans was looking for what was described as, quote, partial membership. Stauffer, meanwhile, turned down an offer to sell the club to a local group led by Cleveland shipbuilder George M. Steinbrenner and former Tribe third baseman Al Rosen. A 30-member New Orleans delegation led by the governor of Louisiana descended upon the baseball winter meetings to pitch the plan but AL owners continued to reserve judgment. Finally, in March 1972, Stauffer reached a deal to sell the club to Cleveland Cavaliers owner Nick Maletti. In April, Maletti met with Superdome officials 
to tell them that the deal was off. Steinbrenner, meanwhile, purchased the New York Yankees the following year, and the Indians, now Guardians, stayed put. But today, Buster, we salute the Cleveland slash New Orleans Indians, and they are this week's Phantom franchise. Yeah, is that all that information, just classic 1970s, where the owner who had a problem with the plan was Charlie Finley. Oh, that's not the first time, or nor the last. Uh, and the fact that in discussing all that, of course, the concept of the players' union was completely irrelevant to the owners at that time. <laughs> sure, just have guys move every you know couple of days between Cleveland and New Orleans. I'm sure there are a lot of flights between the two cities, and uh, you know, set up two different homes. And Buster, you know, again, researching this and thinking about the the Montreal Rays situation, I remember saying at the time that that news broke. There is no way that right. the PA is going to uh, is going to. Two different paying taxes in two different countries, families having to move back and forth, people with kids in school. Come on. Yeah, I agree. When that news broke, I had the exact same reaction uh, and was like immediately was like reach out to our news editors saying, we need to couch this by saying the Player Association will never agree to this. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say and a potential expansion site off the table because of this as well. And the same thing clearly in New Orleans, which never wound up getting a, an MLB team, of course. That's exactly right. All right, let's get to this week's quiz. All right, everybody. So the updated standings, Buster with 11 and Sarah and Taylor with six apiece. So time to shine, my friends. So let's do it. Albert Pujols, he is closing in on his 700th career home run. So here's this week's question. When Babe Ruth became the first to achieve that milestone way back in 1934, he gave this to the lucky fan who caught the ball in exchange for the history-making sphere. Wow. Was it A, $20? Was it B, a pair of tickets to the next day's game? Was it C, $100? Or was it D, the bat that he used to strike the ball? When Babe Ruth hit number 700, he gave the following to the lucky fan who caught the ball in exchange for it. $20, a pair of tickets to the next day's game, 100 bucks, or the bat that he used. All right, I'll go first. I'm just going to give you my logic. Uh, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, tickets to the next day's game, I, I can't see that being a significant uh, something that uh, he would offer. The bat, back in those days, the, each player probably had, what, three or four? So I, I don't see that happening. Uh, and I'm thinking $100 because at that time, that was a huge amount of money. But as you know, Todd, what uh, what was it that uh, Babe Ruth said about his salary relative to the President of the United States, Herbert Hoover? And I think it was like in, in uh, 1930, 1931. He had a better year. Yeah. Babe Ruth told reporters, I had a better year than uh, Herbert Hoover did, which was true, by the way, as Absolutely. the country descended into the Great Depression. <laughs> so I'm going to say $100. Taylor, what say you? We've been making a lot of comparisons on the podcast today. I know this is a little out of order. It'll come to light in Bleacher Tweets. But uh, Babe Ruth and Herbert Hoover's salaries, another good one there from Buster. Uh, I'm going to go with the bat just because I think it's a little bit wacky and yeah. Sarah? Ah, uh, okay. I think my first instinct was also the bat, but I think I'm going to say $20. Sarah, you are correct. It was $20. Oh, wow. $20 in the Great <laughs> Depression. He gave it to an unnamed kid, and 
you know, the part of history, $20. Wow. What a big day for me. <laughs> yes. Wow. September nice. when ch- champions are born in September. What did we say? <laughs> well done, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Very nice. So well done, back. Todd. Thanks for this week. All right, guys. Thanks. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. This one is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. And we have a big question above all the baseball stuff. Buster, I'll let you take it away because you've been driving this bus and we need answers from Sarah Abbott. Yeah, we've been waiting for Sarah Abbott to tell us what happened with Harry Styles and Chris Pine because we know Sarah Abbott is all about Harry Styles. Uh, We gave our opinions yesterday, Sarah, where uh, Taylor basically said he wasn't sure. I said, come on. He definitely spit on him. The question whether or not it was a whole setup and whether it was a joke between them. What's your take? Here's the thing. If there is one person I love equally, if not more than Harry Styles, it's Chris Pine. So this is just (laughs) quite the debacle for me. So I have been researching endlessly. Chris Pine's team has come out and said that there was no spit. I do not believe that. I believe he did spit on him. But there's another video with a different angle. And after he spits on him, the two are laughing, giggling, I think it's a joke, like an inside joke or an accident. I don't think it was malicious. Okay. Okay. Now, in all that, as you gave gave us your ranking right there, I'm wondering about Miles Teller. Where does he stand in the Harry Styles, Chris Pine ranking? He's in a different category. He's in a different league because Miles Teller, I feel, is a celebrity I could get a beer with and, like, enjoy a baseball game with. You know, Chris Pine and Harry Styles, I could not be in the same room. I think I would just get overwhelmed and faint. So like different, (laughs) (laughs) different meters. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It was the same, same way when I met Ned Martin, a longtime Red Sox announcer who I grew up listening to on the radio. I think that's about the same, right? (laughs) Yeah. A one-to-one comp, I would say. Right. (laughs) All right. We'll we'll go into Sarah's power ranking of of hottest men in Hollywood another time here. Uh, Let's get to some questions. <laughs> Mitchell, Tigers of Detroit. I'm sure he was interested in all that. He's also interested in knowing if the Rangers spent big. Uh, they did spend big this past offseason, but they still lack the arms in the rotation. What offseason moves would it take to make them a playoff contender in 2023? More pitching, right? It feels like now we have the Rangers and Angels every winter having the same question. Where are they going to get their pitching? <laughs> Michael Preston at McP1979 writes, and what are the chances that Otani will win Cy Young and MVP in the same year during his career? Michael, I don't think he can win the Cy Young Award simply because of volume. Uh, We know through his schedule that he doesn't make as many starts as a lot of the other candidates. Um, So, you know, if he winds up throwing 150 innings and a lot of the other candidates are throwing 200, I think it's a huge disadvantage. And I don't think he cares. I don't think the Angels really care. I think they knew what they were buying, and they knew that uh, because he's a two-way player, he just simply has to throw fewer innings to have less wear and tear. Matthew Porto at 30-year-old Mulberry writes in, if Aaron Judge had the same season on a team other than the Yankees, would the Otani-Judge MVP debate really be as heated? Imagine he was on the Twins, for example. Yes, it would be as heated because (laughs) of the 60-home run thing. We're focused on Aaron Judge. The industry is focused on Aaron Judge. The voters are focused on Aaron Judge because he's chasing 60 homers, and he has been since the beginning of the year. 
And we saw that that didn't matter if you were the Chicago Cubs or you were with the St. Louis Cardinals. People are going to pay attention when you chase 60 home runs. Wow. So many good comparisons for you in the Bleacher Tweets today, Buster. Last one for today, Don <laughs> Irvine. At Don Irvine writes, and Aaron Boone has won 60% of his games since he became a Yankees manager, but he has failed to get them to the World Series. What is his future if he fails again this postseason? Don, he'll be back as manager because he just signed a four-year extension. And Hal Steinbrenner is not like his dad, where he's blowing out managers every year and bringing him back. What was it? Billy Martin was fired and came back like five different times. <laughs> That's not how Hal Steinbrenner rolls. Aaron Boone will be back as the manager. I am curious about Brian Cashman, the general manager whose contract is up after this year. Mm, very interesting. All right. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. If you have baseball questions or more questions for Sarah about Harry Styles and Chris Pines and Miles Teller and all that. Thanks for writing in, everyone. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I do think Brian Cashman will be back as general manager, but uh, it, it'll be interesting, the conversation that uh, you know between Hal Steinbrenner and him. All right. Uh, that's it for today. My thanks to Dave, Todd, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, Hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.